Realms of Peril and Glory will begin after these short messages. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We'd like to thank our patrons, Klingster, Cora, and Stuttering GM for their support in making this series possible. If you'd like to join them and get ad-free listening, bonus shows, and early access to all of these interviews, then head over to patreon.com slash lightandtragic. Welcome to Making the Game, Realms of Peril and Glory's interview show. All of these episodes premiere on Patreon first, so if you want to hear some great interviews with fabulous creators from around the tabletop space, then head over there now and check it out, patreon.com slash lightandtragic. This week, I'm interviewing Fiona Howitt of What Am I Rolling? If you want to find Fiona and her various projects, you can check the link in the podcast description. I highly recommend it. Welcome one and welcome all back to Realms of Peril and Glory. It is so wonderful to be here with you today. My name, of course, is Zachary Fortis Gom, and I am the Game Master and other various things on the show. Today, I am speaking with the fantastic Fiona Howitt of the What Am I Rolling podcast. Hello, Fiona. <laughs> hello. Hello. How are you, Zach? Nice to be here. Very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's a, it's a quite late night on a, on a school night, but you know what? I'm here to talk about RPGs and I'm here to talk about stuff with you. So it's, it's, it's already going really well. So I'm loving this. <laughs> There's nothing more important in life than RPGs, even school nights. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I would... <laughs> Who, who needs work, really, when you've got storytelling? Precisely. And, you know, I fun. recall we on a, I think it was a Monday night for mm-hmm. Veil. Our finale recording was five and a half hours long. Ooh. And it went to midnight. <gasps> it was awful. But it was great. We loved it. But also <laughs> the most brutal recording session of your life. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about your show, What Am I Rolling? Mm-hmm. Uh, could you... Just give the listeners a brief idea about what the show is uh, before we kick into things. 
What Am I Rolling is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast where I usually take some brand new players or groups of friends or anyone that's vaguely available, depending on schedules, and we go through a brand new system or a new um, RPG rules and stuff and just do a one-shot of that of that system. And these can take place over a single episode or it can be up to, I think we've gone up to six episodes at some point. But yeah, what's great about it is that, you know, if you see a system you like, you can just drop in, listen to it. And then if you don't like, want to listen to the next one, totally fine. You can go back and listen to others. There's no order or anything like that. You can just choose and pick, which is, which I really like about it. It's great. I have done that when I've been like looking for, I'm like, oh, I'm about to play this system. Has anyone done a, a playthrough of it? And I'll look on your feed. I'm like, ah, yes. And yep. I'll listen. And I'm like, <laughs> now I know how to play. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, so yes, I would highly recommend if you enjoy TTRPGs, which I certainly hope you do if you've tuned into this episode. This will be really awkward if, you, if at this point you go, oh, oh, tabletop RPG. No. Oh, I've been totally oh, oh. No, thank you. Uh, but if you if you do, uh, please head over and check out What Am I Rolling? Because it's wonderful stuff that you really should check out. So now I'm going to grill you about TTRPGs. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so again, you've played huge quantities of games. Do you? Mm-hmm. I, I imagine you don't have a running tally. Not, no, not particularly. Totally no. fair. <laughs> I would not expect you to. I was curious if you did, mm-hmm. um, but you've played so many, and I'm wondering if there are any in particular that have stood out for you uh, mm. that you that might not be as well known, but you really want people to check out. Mm. So the one that always comes to my mind when I think of this, just because it was such a great one shot to to run, was a game called In Name Only, which is by Doug Lewandowski and Jack Rosetree. And essentially, it's uh, it can be a high fantasy setting or anything like that. But the idea is that your real in person, your real in life name, uh, dictates what skills you have. So oh. for me, for Fiona, that's I've got five skills, and that would be fire magic, ice magic, oversized weapons, shrug, uh, nature magic, and archery, oh. and. When, when you ever use any of those skills in, in a certain uh, scene or anything like that, you take uh, the number of your letters away from eight, uh, and that will be your modifier. And then you just roll a d20 and add the modifier to it. And then everything else is just a straight roll. And what I liked about it is that then you create a character who may have, like, say, you've only got three letters in your name, then you'll have fewer talents, but you're very good at them. Or you're more of a jack of all trades where you have up to eight talents, but... Uh, not very good at any of them and the reason i like it as well is that so you as you have your players and they are named characters and they can and the idea of certainly with the one shot we ran it was the idea that they got picked by obviously like a wizened old woman's like come come to this place and so they they went and they became these people but what i loved about the setting was that none of the minor characters are named they're sort of like the town crier's daughter or the baker, all that sort of thing, as soon as the players give them a name, and it's always on the players to give names, they become an actual real person. And the reason I said to say this, because I really like it, was that they had to go and save someone from this town. There was like uh, a monster or they'd done a pact or something like that. And it was very sort of um, a never ending story where like people were using their memories to grant wishes and they couldn't remember stuff and all that sort of thing. They get there and the person that sort of sacrificed themselves, they saved them, but they weren't waking up. And one of the players just went, 
I know what to do. And they said, I go over to this person and I just go, Fiona, you need to wake up. And I remember because I'd had a really hard day. I'd had a job rejection, all that sort of thing. And everyone exploded into screams because obviously we didn't see it coming. And you hear me burst into tears on the recording. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I wasn't anything to, I did not expect that. Because obviously as a GM, sometimes you're just, you, you know, you are putting players in the right places they're the perfect scene partners and you're just helping moulding stuff and then suddenly I was brought in and it completely flat-footed me but it was such an emotional moment I actually I edited it down quite a bit because I think we had to pause for like five minutes whilst we were all sort of like so excited that this thing happened but also we were all crying with joy that it happened and yeah and I just I always remember that quite fondly this this in name only as again very simple system but you we had such an incredible story with it. It's such an incredible moment out of it. So definitely would recommend that I'm game. I'm writing sure. that down. Yeah. We we roll we roll through so many systems. I got to take every recommendation I can get. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a really good easy one to learn as well. And like I I can't remember off the top of my head but difficulties were like you have to get over 10. Is that that's the main success and if there's something else that's a little bit harder I think it's 15. But that's it. Like it's the difficulty oh, wow. is so straightforward. There's not like each individual challenge is like, oh, it's a, it's a 12 or anything like that. It's just 10 is for normal and then a little bit difficult or using something with magic, I think it's a 15. And you just, just go from there. So, I love so a straightforward. straightforward. game. Like yeah. a game where the rules are minimal. Like I understand complications in games. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes to get a better experience, things need to be a little bit more complicated. But I think yeah. most of the time, the less complicated, the better. Mm-hmm. Well, I say that. Some people would probably disagree with me because some people are really crunchy and they like the crunch. They want, that's what they enjoy out of their games. Definitely, but yeah. I don't know if you are the same. I'm, I I feel I'm more geared towards the, the role play social side of things. That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean not combat, but, no. but that's definitely what I enjoy more, I think. Yeah. No, definitely. And speaking of, not necessarily crunchy games, but ones that do involve lots of prep, the other game that does come to my mind that I really did enjoy in the end was Mm -hmm. Sleep Away by Jay Dragon. We did it as a collaboration, and it's the idea is that you are playing uh, summer staff counsellors at a uh, summer camp, and you have to protect the the kids from something called the Lindworm, which, you know, you have all those horror camp stories and all that sort of thing. But the Lindworm is anything you can make it of. And there's a great mechanic where... And nobody play, nobody role plays at a linworm. You ask the linworm if they would like to play, and then somebody will pick it, and it's a card deck, and you, all that sort of thing. It was very hard to do it online because we were doing this during the pandemic. Yes, it, yeah. it, recur- it encourages you to do it in person, and then you have like a court board and put it together. But we did it online. We used like a Myra board and all that sort of thing. And what we got out of it in the end, because that is an interesting mechanic where you. Um, uh, it's, I think it's based on Dream Askew, which is that system mm-hmm. where it's all about tokens. And you like, if you just do a normal move, then nothing happens. But if you take a weak move, you get a token. To do a strong move, you give a token. So you have to do lots of weak moves in order to do strong moves. And it's all conversational. And so the improviser in me was like, this is amazing. Once we got past the, the prep and setting up all the characters and all that sort of thing, you know, for me, that's sort of the crunchy bit because I was like, I don't know if it's going to work online. And then we went round and we did it. And Again, now that I think about it, the ending of that, I also cried in that because it was just such a beautiful moment. And that that one, especially that was uh, a GM-less one. So everyone got yeah. a chance to play and stuff. So yeah, another that I think that one was for me the crunchiest game in the sense of like there was a lot of prep and a lot of translating yeah. it onto online. But I really enjoyed the role play we got out of that was great. I think all J Dragon games are very similar. Like Wonder Home is the latest one. Mm-hmm. 
which I've yet to try. But again, similar sort of thing, giving tokens, taking tokens, conversational style and, and resolving things without necessarily hit points or, or attacks or anything like that. So, yeah. That's amazing. I, I love hearing about people's uh, experiences because it, it's it's always so joyful when you see someone talking about this excellent time they've had in a game. Mm-hmm. I think there's been some conversation or research about how the memories you make while role playing, like your character moments, your brain codes them as your memories. Absolutely. Like, which is, and you can, I feel like you can tell that when you talk to people about it because they like, you don't say like, oh, yeah, my character did this and then that. You're like, no, I, you know, swashbuckled with the Nightmare King. And, you know, it it, it makes it exactly. so personal. And, and I just love that about games is like giving yeah. people that. And I think it's interesting to talk about that as an adult as well, when quite a lot of our hobbies and stuff, I'd say this, you know, obviously 10, 20 years ago, it was like, oh, D&D is for nerds, you know, and obviously now it's cool to like D&D because obviously oh, yeah. there's all these streamers we're, and all that sort cool of thing. cool now. I know. <laughs> ah, my 17-year-old self was like, what? But um, <laughs> I, I guess what's interesting, I always think, I always love running one-shots. I always love running, playing in any RPG game because it, like you said, it's that weird sort of immersive theatre thing mm-hmm. that you get out what you put into it and... It's unique. It's like you, you have those, you had to be there moments. Like yes. I, the thing that comes to my mind instantly when, as soon as you said, what happened to you was that we, I, we again, in a and d game, I, you know, playing, basically playing myself is, is just easier, but we were trying to find somebody who my character had an interest in and got them, got lost in this festival, get to the pub. My friend goes away and we knew this person could change their shape. My friend comes back and then the DM started playing the friend and everyone around the table was like, oh God, it's her. But I was like, I have to play this as if I don't, don't realise there's any change. And we did. And I just remember that whole scene because I was talking to this person, you know, exposing my feelings about why I wanted to find blah, 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 blah. And then they went and then the person, and then my friend comes back and I go, oh no. Like <laughs> it was a big sort of, I don't know, reveal, but it was just so cool because it just, the way it happened was so natural. And we all really enjoyed that moment because we're all like, that was such a cool in-person, immersive yeah. moment. And I think we miss that quite a bit from, I guess, I, I know it's different playing online and in-person, mm. but creating, running any RPG game and getting players into it when they might be not very into role play, for example, or they're a bit nervous, that's totally fine. But it's that, you know, mm. if, as long as you like say, what do you want to do? And they mm. say it in the third person or they just give it a go and then afterwards they go, that was so much fun. That yeah. is the aim I always have in my fingers. As long as they have fun and have that unique experience where they can go, you never guess what I played, bloody D&D or that <laughs> RPG set. And it, you know what? It wasn't always about maths, you know? <laughs> so. well, that, that's the thing. It is so joyful to give someone that experience. I think that's what I think that's what I get out of being yeah. a game master is giving people that experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're similar on RPG is that that it's not worth it if we're not having fun. Exactly. Yeah. Like the show is 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 great and we want it to be good and we want people to like it. But our, if we're not having fun doing it, no one else is going to enjoy listening to it. And exactly. so that's always our number one priority is giving the players the best experience they can. Uh, Out of interest, I'm going to ask you a question then on this. Oh. I know. Oh, I've taken this, this never format. never happened before. Taking the format and turning it around. So obviously <laughs> you do the editing for your show as well. And so yeah. you have to listen back to yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had it when... 
you're you you know you run a game and you know the other people have had fun but maybe you've gone oh i messed this up or this and you get that sort of oh, like yeah. yeah do you ever listen back and then re- and listen and you go actually i did a very competent job For, uh, yeah. yeah actually yes <laughs> actually yes uh, there are a number of times especially early on in in veil for our, our listeners which is our first season i'm sure i have said that um but but where i listen i'm like oh just slow down. Just stop worrying mm. about mm-hmm. getting the story out and like just let things go. And mm-hmm. as I settle into the rhythm of things, there are still moments where I'm like, shut up, Zach, and let yeah. other people talk. Take a moment. Yeah. Like, I yeah. found it's interesting. Like, I've really enjoyed doing stuff online and recording mm. online. And maybe it's just because uh, I've done a lot of online improv and stuff, and I, whilst I can do it on stage, I find there's something scary about suddenly becoming the villain in front of like your friends mm. around a small table. Whereas online, I feel a little bit separate from that, yes. so I can pause and take because they will ask me a question, and in my head, it feels like it's been thirty minutes. When yeah. reality, like you said, it's been like two seconds. But the fact I I'll, I'll watch myself back, which is very very um, <laughs> egotistical, because I'll watch you back on Zoom, but I'm like wow, I look like I'm really in character, but really I'm going, ah, <laughs> say this thing. And, you know, the thing I say doesn't make sense, really. But they no. go, ooh, mysterious. Ooh. And they're like, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, and this is a, it's my, my big advice, really, re- when I record anything or when people want to, like, what should I do as a DM? Do record yourself and then mm. watch it back and listen back. Because it sounds dreadful. Like, people don't like the sound of their own voice or, like, seeing no. themselves. But actually... I, it shows me, and I'm like, oh, I did an all right job. Like it wasn't like yes. it wasn't the car crash. It was like next, like you said, next time, slow it down a bit. Let the players fill in the gaps, or mm. or you know, wait to be asked or something like that. You know, if they're struggling. So I think it's a, there's a lot to gain out of even if you just record your voice. But I think yeah. there's something amazing w- watching yourself back online and just seeing you like think about something like, okay, next time do this. But it's yeah, I, I've just found doing it on Zoom or doing it via mm. any sort of video conferencing platform has actually really helped my DMing as a result, so. I, you know what? I started DMing or GMing online. I mm. I remember I prepped my first session for being in person and then mm. suddenly we were all locked down and the game never went ahead and I did so much prep for that game that I look back on now. I've still got the notes. I just... So pointless, all the prep. Not because the game got cancelled, but because I didn't know Mm. what I was doing. Like, I prepped every scenario and I didn't leave any room for improvisation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I think what I learned then going online and doing things and not having to have people right in front of me where they can see me flailing as easily is exactly. to just let it go and like mm-hmm. you'll come up with things on the fly and trust your instincts mm-hmm. i don't know if you found that at all mm, yeah i i think the great benefit of doing it online um and if you've got access to pdfs you can be like one yes. moment uh, rather than I, I i love i love rpg books as yeah. i was showing before like i've got like the thousand year old vampire book which i'm sure we'll talk about like we i will talk I have, about that <laughs> i have so many physical books and i love physical books but my god carrying them all to an in-person place and then going let me just check it's not in this book it's not in like it's like and i get it not everyone likes pdfs and i totally understand that but mm. it is i have so much more space here obviously i've got i'm i'm also mm. mic'd up okay so that because i i don't project well when i'm in in person but yeah, it's it's. I definitely feel a lot more comfortable online. I actually, speaking of though, I did recently do an in-person one mm. for my other podcast, and I was so nervous for it. And 
we you know we recorded it and I listened back to it and again that sort of thing would go oh it's fine but and there was a lot of more stuff I was playing off the fly because the reactions were much quicker because obviously there's we were enjoying what was happening and stuff so I guess the the pros and cons obviously as online you, you get a better streamed experience perhaps yes. but in person you can easily you know go off each other and like talk to each other a little bit better and you can get the the verbal and uh, non-verbal cues and stuff so it's there are benefits to both but i definitely for dm prepping or practice i guess i 100 recommend doing it online and also i'm sure you've done this as well zach is that don't worry about all the tech <laughs> if you just just for god's sake no, that's all i do is worry about no the tech. but like it's like you know you set them up you've got the mics etc they're wearing headphones hooray um you know sometimes they don't and you're like why don't you have a headphone god damn it or headphones even why can but, i hear myself echo five times from five different machines but like like i only use maps when i need to and yes. otherwise theater of the mind like i love the idea of music i absolutely do have atmosphere i need i need to employ like a dj to do it you know i i don't have time to do it like i've got i'm i'm focusing on what people are saying i'm not like yeah spinning discs and now going gotta, oh yeah i've got to go to my tension playlist and now oh, and then you go oh and oh and the goblins appeared oh but i'm voicing it and oh the, you know it's just like and the goblin music yeah yeah I, like i i love i love the fact we can do this but i think if you were going to do that like in a stream game get somebody else to look at it and mm. get them to interpret it and have have that co-dm or whoever it is or co-gm and like, like you're in charge of music see what you can do like you get so much more out of it and, have you uh, yeah. ever done a co uh, GM experience? Uh, I don't think so. I I don't think so off the top of my head. I think I'd love to do. It. We've discussed on the other podcast. Sorry, I keep mentioning the no, other. No, please ones. plug away. <laughs> plug Brilliant. away. I will. So I, during lockdown, and we were talking about this before. I was like, so obviously, I didn't have enough to do. So I was like, I'm going to start a weekly D and D podcast. Um, <laughs> but this one, I because. From that, what happened there was that I, um, I, I obviously have all the D and D books, but didn't read them. And I, in during yeah. lockdown, I stopped reading. I used to read on the tube and stuff, and I just couldn't read for pleasure. But I could read nonfiction because I could make notes. So I got my friend involved, and we just started setting each other read this chapter, read this bit, and then we'll discuss why it's interesting. In the DM's guide, they mm. talk about uh, the gods aren't real or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrasing of it, but everyone has a card at the table. And the, the original GM1 will start, and at any point they can go, my turn, and then they switch, and everyone has a go at GMing. Uh, and I love that concept that everyone is involved with something like you prepare something a little something but as soon as you use your token that's it and then everyone has to have a go and then it resets again and I just think that would be such a cool thing to just try yeah. out I'd, I'd love to try it again I don't know if it would be better in person or online I guess on, in yeah. person because then you can actually like physically like here's a token where online people be like oh it's my turn but I was talking about it with other people and the people were saying like oh it, I would be too nervous to interrupt something and I was like no I'd be waiting for the big you know, villain speech and I'm like, my turn <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and take it from them. But you know, but I, it's it's just preparing enough to go off yes. it and, 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 and everyone has that buy-in. I, I love that idea, but unfortunately yeah, yet to do a a co DM or, or multi DM session. But no, sorry, I completely lied about that. Sorry, I just really <laughs> You lied to me. I know. I'm so sorry, Zachary. Please don't. It's please okay. don't kick me off the podcast. It's okay. I'll forgive you now. Sorry. One of the other projects I am working on, which I'm going to name drop now, but it's not going to come out. Because you have enough, right? I know. I know. So my friend, uh, Dee, 
they and a couple of the other people they they know was like right we are forever gms yes what about we just do a dnd campaign from levels one to 20 but each of us take a certain number of levels okay. so we started that and we've created the world ourselves we've even got i've got it here sorry got you off tangent completely we even drew the no, map I love it and then one of the players' partners made it into a dice bag for us. So we've got an actual oh, world map. that's sick. All that sort of thing. So we're currently on level three just now, but the idea is that we're recording it and then we get to level five and then the next person takes over. And we don't that's know where good. the story is going until... And, and D is taking the last level, um, level 20, and, and, they, and they just keep copious amounts of notes. So it is... We're all, so as soon as we're like, oh, and this happened, they're like, interesting. Uh, you're like, oh no, all this stuff's going to come back to him. But yeah, so that that is that is an ongoing thing we're having, but that is already set as in like, we are co, co-DMing, co-GMing the story, but it's, these are your levels, these are your levels, these are your levels. Have rather you divvied it, it out? Because obviously you're meant to spend kind of more time mm. in levels at certain, have you kind of divvied it up? So when by the time you get to like, I don't know, 16th level, it's just one person for 16th level and then so on and so forth. Or is it kind of, I'll take one to five, you take six to ten, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Yeah, yeah so, that's, so there's five of us, and so four of us are taking uh, like the first 19 levels, and then D, who's the organiser of it, is doing the 20th level. And we're just going to see how we go for that. And yeah, because I am I think I'm, in, I'm banging in the middle, so I'm going to have to deal with two persons lot of amazing DMing, panic, and then leave something behind for the <laughs> other two. <laughs> Well, so. And you're so. What will you be dealing with then? What levels are you dealing with in that? Uh, I believe it will be sort of. Uh, I think it'll be like levels eleven to fifteen. I think is what Ooh, I'm dealing so with. You're gonna get some beef in that. Mm. That's I'm, not, I'm looking forward central. to. It. We did we did we did a lot of like one shots to test out. Yeah. Um. You know what our DM styles were, and we're all very different. And that was really nice to try out. You know, I'm I'm just playing in different games and stuff was just really interesting. I'm like, okay, note for later. Do mm. this and do this, and using the, using the world we created as well. Through we actually create the, created the world through Microscope, which is another game, an RPG game by Ben Ben Dobbins, no, Ben Robbins or something like that, where mm. you you basically have like a Trello board and you start making events, and then the next person goes, okay, and in, in this event, this thing happens and it's dark. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but this event happens and it's light, you know. And oh. that was, I recommend it. Yeah, Microscope. I, I can't remember his last name, but it's Microscope by Ben, probably Robbins. I'm going to get it wrong, but yeah. Huh? <laughs> Anyways, that was a huge tangent to say. No, uh, yes this is, and this no. This is all about <laughs> tangents. We're filling time. We're fair filling enough, fair time. enough. Um, I, I brought up the co-GMing thing because I, I don't know if you know, but uh, in our first season, I don't do any of the NPC voices live. Oh, cool. No, I didn't I know that. I have someone who just does them. And that's that was just something we were like, let's try this. Because it it's myself and James who were partnering, but we wanted the first season to introduce mm. to both of us because it's, it's going to be both of our show. But, of course. But, so I had to figure out how to do that. Highly recommend it if you ever want to share a brain with someone mm. uh, and find out what that's like. Uh, please do it. And also, yeah. open yourself up to insane amounts of chaos. Yeah. You, you can't be precious about your decisions. It's very, it's like in improv, they always say you always have, 
in your scene a thousand funerals because your ideas you're like here's my idea and it goes no and you go mm. okay my idea has died <laughs> the, the, the example that I always tell people about of, of like how things just totally spun out mm. uh, of control with that is we had a character in the first episode called Pine Silver who was just a wood elf who was really just meant to be there to like give some color and like to pass on some information. That was the extent of that character's life mm-hmm. really. And I think the note I gave was like, yeah, eager to please and oh, like, no. <laughs> and, and, and kind friendly. That I think that was, those were the notes. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I got this Kiwi wood elf who was like, got some issues with his dad and like is like I want you to be my friend <laughs> oh. and like everyone immediately had very strong feelings about Pine Silver understandably so yeah <laughs> and so I was like well I guess this guy is a main thread of the plot now and is going to appear every other episode which we had not planned nope. <laughs> you know, I love that though it's fine that's yeah. fine and that, that, again, that's where the joy comes from. Exactly. It's just like, okay, now it's like, how do I fix this? When it's <laughs> fixing fixing in the nice way of going, like, how do I continue on with this without without going, no, and throwing it you know, into yeah. the waste pa- waste basket for forgotten, forgotten NPCs that you thought were cool, you know, so. Yes, precisely. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> um, right. I'm going to move on from the tangent. Cut. I, I, I re- this is one of the things I most definitely want to get to on my notes is you have played some solo RPGs. I have played some solo RPGs, yes. Which I've <laughs> never done. 
uh, and would very much like to do. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me about your experiences with them and tell me why I shouldn't be afraid. (laughs) Why why would you be afraid? I think it's, for me, it's very interesting because I guess doing a solo RPG for a podcast, for or certainly for some sort of content medium, right? Mm. When I approached it, because I was like, most the, re- the real reason I started it was like, I was running out of content because nobody was free. That is the main reason. But then I was recommended. And I always talk about this this particular RPG because it's the one that gets brought up the most when I talk when anyone talks about solo RPGs. But there is an RPG called The Beast by Alexandra Santoska, and okay. the idea is that uh, for over twenty one days you have a, a, a pack of cards and you take the cards and you get a prompt and then you write in your diary what you feel about it. And then at the end of the 21 days, you have a choice to make and it ends. And I'm not going to spoil it. You can listen to my version of it, obviously on my podcast. But the premise is you are in a relationship with a beast, this alien unknowable force and it's documenting your relationship with it over the 21 days. And there'll be very simple, straightforward um, prompts and for me I was like well uh, I don't mind having a go because it had been talked about on stuff like uh, Shut Up and Sit Down had done it and as a sort of review and they're like it's an interesting one and I can concur it's an interesting one because <laughs> there are there are more cards than there are days so it does change up but I will say from my run <laughs> through that I definitely got um, I definitely got I got off lightly. I looked at the other cards at the end. I was like, "Ooh, I'm glad I did not have to answer those on the podcast. I might have had to edit them. Um, but for that, I just literally got the prompt, would read it aloud and then verbalise what I said. Mm. And when I interviewed Alexandra, it was very interesting because she said, you've hacked my game because the idea is that you don't tell anyone your experience and then you burn or, or get rid of the journal in some way because it's supposed to be private and you've done that. You've, you've changed the game and that's really interesting. And... That's how I see doing solo RPGs. It's a very private thing mm. for you to do. It's t- time that you spend with yourself. And there are so many different solo RPGs out there. There's obviously, I've done ones about letter writing. So that's like Quill, for example, where you roll some dice and you see how well your letters have been received. And fun fact, none of my letters got very well received. <laughs> um, you know, you've got stuff like, um, oh, what's it called? There's the one with the spaceship with Jenga towers, so like get very complicated uh, mm-hmm. things like that where you're surviving with this alien force getting in. Quite a lot of the solo RPGs are about isolation and loneliness and stuff. So it can be quite hard, but I actually, I don't mind it because I see it as a way to reflect on stuff and a way to sort of like think things through and then take that time to debrief from the characters. Yeah. So what I started doing during lockdown is... I I did a, a workbook called The Artist Way by Julia Cameron, which is hilarious. It's a 12-week program, as she says in quotation marks, where it unblocks your creative pause. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very interesting book, but the one thing I took away from it was that every week, block out some time for you and your inner child to do something creative. Now, that could be going to a museum, could go to church was her example, um, go for a walk, or something, but it's something that you have to do by yourself and it's something that you really must love and do it. And you don't move the time and you don't change the time. It's got to be a minimum of like two hours, same time every week. So I just thought, I'll just start doing RPG one-shots, uh, solo one-shots on that time. And it was very 
it was very relaxing actually very interesting to do so mm. I, I highly recommend doing them and obviously like I said there's so many different varieties of them that you get the the ones which are interesting content like the beast but also you get stuff like a thousand year old vampire which you can create whole characters worth there's um artifact was the other one that I played recently by I think it's Jack Harrison um I think where it's you create a sentient magical item and it's the story about how that is passed down from keeper to keeper and what happens to those keepers with your, you know, do you corrupt them because you're too good or you're too bad? And and throughout the ages, it doesn't have to be medieval per se. It could go all the way to the future, which I, mm. I just I loved as a concert. And again, being able to verbalize it out loud, I found that more rewarding than because I just write really slowly <laughs> or type really slowly. I just find it just interesting because I maybe I just like the sound of my own voice. I don't know, but and then capturing it and then listening back to it was really interesting because I'd be like, oh, so I felt like this at this time, or oh, I thought this at this time, and yeah, it just makes it very interesting for for podcast content. I I, I mean, there is something cynical to say like you're only doing this for content, which is true. But I do gain a lot out of it as I sort of treat myself to a game. If you see what I mean, so. That's the tricky thing with games because the majority of the games that I play now are recorded because of the nature of the beast. Yeah. But it it can serve two masters. It can be fun mm. and for you and also happen to be content. It's the nature of the 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 oh I hate the word grind, but the grind. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 di- I dislike those kinds of businessy hype terms that oh, encourage people to run themselves blue, into the ground. Blue sky thinking, pushing that Ooh. envelope. Let's <laughs> envelope. <laughs> the solo RPGs we do are about uh, isolation and stuff, but there are ones that are not. So the one I have done recently was one called Field Guide to Memories, who I can't remember the, who wrote that. Um, There's two lovely uh, uh, American-Korean uh, folks doing that. And that, that what was interesting was that that was over a month and you'd got a prompt. And the idea was that you were a an expert in cryptozoology. So the idea of cryptids being in the world, but you never seen them. So that idea of seeing oh, wow. like, um, uh, like Bigfoot and all that sort of thing but your mentor had gone missing and had been missing for five years and has been declared dead. And then the sort of the fallout from that and how do you deal with it? And it was mm. very interesting because obviously it's not, it wasn't a sad game. It wasn't a game about isolation, but there's lots of turning points in it because you discovered stuff about your mentor that maybe you weren't comfortable with. Because again, that idea of putting someone up on a pedestal, that the idea mm. of um, the age of celebrity or cult of personality, that sort of thing. And I was, I, I will say my, my mum She's she's great because she listens to every episode. She gives me constructive feedback. Oh, oh like oh. <laughs> I know, but it's so funny because we got to the end of that, and she said, "Wow, you really didn't enjoy the ending to that." And I thought that was really interesting that she picked up on that because I again the way the story went, it wasn't how I would envisioned it. But I got to the end, and and we had a really interesting talk about it. And we wouldn't have been able to do that if I'd just written it all down um, and kept it in a journal. And that one that one is part of. Um, there's a new sort of uh, rise in these things called keepsake RPGs. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you write the journal and you draw the pictures and all that sort of thing, like a bullet journal, and then you keep it afterwards. And I find that really a fascinating thing because for me, I, I'm terrible at bullet, bullet journaling or anything like that because yeah. as soon as I do something lovely, it's like, next page, brah, rubbish, get rid of it and stuff like that. But there was, I'd recommend, it's like I said, Field Guide to Memory. If you look up on Twitter, so many people put up their beautiful, beautiful journals that they'd done. And I was like... I'm just going to verbalise this out loud because my words are pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've heard it here, folks. You need to go check that out. (laughs) You do. You do. And try some solo RPGs. I am 
I have purchased Thousand Year Old Vampire, and yes. that is kind of in my schedule to do at some point in the next kind of and, few and months. With with that one as well, because I think some people get put off a bit by the prep for Thousand Year Old Vampire. I, I we talked about it off the stream just now, mm. but Dicebreaker do a really good, interesting introduction like to it. You don't have to watch all of it. I would just watch the first bit of it and then play it yourself. So you, in case you're worried about spoilers or anything like that, but. With Thousand Year Old Vampire by Tim Hutchings, there are so many different ways you can play it. There's like once you played it once once through, you can do it this way and this way and this way. And I just yeah, I, it's such a beautiful book. And I know he's got another supplement coming out yes, soon as well. There, there's something coming out. I I remember. Yeah. I don't think it was a supplement though. For oh, was it not? No, I remember. Sorry. No, this, so, is, this is this is what happens when you get RPG this is what people in the room. You're like, oh, what what book? A new book? A new game? <laughs> yeah. Thousand. I'm literally doing this live, and uh, as well as the fact, I'll vamp. But I will say it as well because obviously I have the book here. I bought the physical book because I I had it on a stream to play through, and it is gorgeous. But equally, the PDF was equally good in that. And yeah, I love the mechanic of that as just rolling so a D10 and D6, and then taking the results away from each other. And if it's a positive number, you move forward in the book. If it's a negative number, you move back. So it, you you can never predict what's happening. But mm-hmm. and again, you can't predict how long your game is as well. Again. I won't go into the big mechanics here, but it could literally, you can get to like the end of the pages, like page 88, and it goes, this is the end of your story. Or you could just die in the middle of it, and you're like, what? No! You know, and I just, yeah, as a result, that's not, that's not how my story ends. So, (laughs) I've just looked it up. It is a companion volume. There you go. I believe he goes at great lengths to say, but this is not a thousand year old vampire, it's something different. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally fair, I think. And it's it's still coming soon. Yes, I think I don't know if there's a Kickstarter or something for it, but uh, anyway, I mean, check out. Thousand, I mean, he's, he's yes. done quite a few other things as well. I think he's also done everything as Dolphins was the other RPG, which I I have not played it. I'm I'm curious about it though. Mm-hmm. So. Also, one called You're a Fucking Butterfly. Yeah, ha- Habitation of the Stone Giant Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, the Oracle. Hmm. So a nice wide range if you're interested in those. But yeah, The Thousand Year of Vampire is the most recent one to date that he's done, apart from I'm the supplement. to play. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on yet again uh, to another topic. Um, so I want to talk about, obviously, you have played many, 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 many game systems. Um, yeah. And I want to know if there are any... Uh, mechanics or things that are done just a little bit differently or quite differently in other game systems that people might not have experienced before that actually Mm. worked really well for you and have stuck with you. Mm. I think for me, anything that has a card prompt is my favorite kind of game. Like, like, um, I don't mind dice rolling too much. The Mm. the issue is that people get kind of caught up with the numbers. They'll go like uh, a 13. Ah, and you go, oh, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> for me, I, I try and roll as little as possible because I've got, you know, it's when you're running games, you've got not only the story in your head, you're, you're trying to, you know, it's trying to get cats through HR, which is on fire, like you're herding yes. them. It's like, come, 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 let's go, let's go. Um, I love card prompts or anything like that. So the game that comes to mind here is The Quiet Year by uh, oh, a- Avery Alder. And so that, good at remembering this. I, I just, again, it's just off my head because I, I like to credit those people who have made them and stuff rather than just like, yeah, this. But, Absolutely. Um, I just wouldn't have been able to remember. You're very, I guess, your I guess recall I'm just, is excellent. I, I, guess, I guess it's just, 
I don't know. I guess because I talk about it so much. But the um, what's cool about the Quiet Year is that it's it's described self-described as a cartography RPG, and you have a big map in front of you, and you start drawing out the landscape. And the idea is that a big disaster has happened, whether it's a post-apocalyptic thing or you were just travelling and you've now made a community, and you have a year before the frost shepherds come and everything mm-hmm. is destroyed. And so you go through the whole of summer, you go through the whole of winter, and you. The cards are based on on uh, a, a do, uh, it's again called the Oracle, and they're, they're based on the different suits and stuff. So you could pick uh, there's two options on each card, but as soon as you draw, I think it's the King of Spades. I want to say as soon as you print it, that's the end of the game. And it's it, we had it when we did our playthrough. It was the first day of of winter, and we were like, that's it. That's it. We, and we were kind of shocked because it just suddenly happened. But it was that sort of thing where we told the story that this community, and then things were going missing and wrong, and then suddenly people came back and the, everything was destroyed. And it was just so sudden and it just really put it home how poignant that was. And it was a really good story that we put into, like silly in places as well. But it was that when you're putting stuff together, when you're collaborating, like not all RPG stories have to be like happy-go-lucky and stuff. A lot of that is obviously com- comedy. We, we're, we're very bad at like, we want to be serious adventurers, but usually it's like Monty Python-esque, right? <laughs> it's like but, whenever people play Blades in the Dark, you always end up being like goofy and... I, yeah. I I love Blades in the Dark, uh, just, but yeah, every time I play, I always like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the boxer or the the punky or whatever, and then I, it usually goes, okay, you fight them. I'm like, here I go, going to punch you, like, <laughs> and then obviously miss, and I'm like, well, shit, because <laughs> that's usually just me. But yeah, that, but yeah, Blades in the Dark, that dust bowl, that whole setting is so it's cool. Such a good setting. Oh, like the steampunk Victoriana. Uh, place with ghosts and a barrier. I was just yeah, everything about it is just such an interesting like mm, perfect. I I had a home game uh, of of blades that um I I was actually playing in, uh, <gasps> shockingly, yes. um where I think our interpretation was that the true evil of the world was capitalism. So our characters <laughs> just became hardcore late stage capitalists that just eviscerated everyone for all their money we Mm -hmm. like we had to stop some counselor from voting in something we're like we will eviscerate her in the press and it's like it was (laughs) yes yes (laughs) and so and we we made like a sandwich shop and we put drugs in sandwiches so people would get hooked on them there was a a kebab shop in ours so yeah we had similar (laughs) We made a theme park in our backyard that was like, for like, like that would, we, we basically, we became Disney. We became Disney. I love that it. Was, I love it. Yes. I don't want to shit talk Disney, but also I'm no, shit talking Disney. No, do it. Dismaland. Do a Banksy on it. Yes. Absolutely. We made Dismaland in the backyard of an abandoned manor house. Yep. To represent late stage capitalism because... You know, that's what happens in Blades yeah. in the Dark sometimes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping to run that soon for the What Am I Rolling? Because I just, again, it's a really interesting system, all the D6s and stuff, but the, yeah. the setting of it is so cool and so rich to play in. So, and yeah, live all, live all that stuff. It's good. good. Uh, shout out to, I believe it's John Harper and Sean Nittner, or is it just John Harper? Uh, well, uh, Evil Hat Productions is what I was going to go for, but yes, absolutely. Oh. 
I just know, I know uh, we we've done uh, we've just done Agon, which is another oh game. The, the ancient Greek where you have to say your name and oh yes, yes exactly so much fun I I it's, want to I, play I, that I wish I could have been more a part of it but I I wasn't part of the it was our first one where I was like I'm gonna let someone else GM and I'm not gonna play I'm just gonna be the producer here on the call to be like good job guys was like, <laughs> and I was just like oh. but what if I played. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I watched the, the icebreaker briefly for that, that bit of yes. beginning. And I just, yeah, it's just so, you could tell people like, this is a lot of fun. I get just, just say my name and then, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I such a hundred percent. Sorry. I'm now very excited because I no, like, no, no. I love I, it too. I, I get very excited about gamers as well. Please don't feel okay, uh, okay. Uh, like you can't express your love for games. It's true. But then my words go, oh yes, mm, great. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, are there any more uh, mechanics that you get come to mind that you might want to mention? Oh, not that's I, cool. Just because I again, because I have my list of various things, it has just come up. I think my favorite, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably spoken about it before. Like Grant Howard has obviously done so many, like one shop, one page RPGs. Again, if you're that sort of person who goes, I want to start DMing, but D and D is not scary, but it's intimidating. It's big. It's big. It's, it's big, and you have players who are like, I know all of D and D because I've read the monster manual. You're like idiots. Any Grant Howard <laughs> game is amazing. Like I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Goblin Quest because uh, that's very much like paranoia, where you have clones of st- of, of goblins that like, just die. But I think my favourite one page one shot has to be Jason Statham's Big Vacation because. <laughs> now I saw this on the feed. Yes, <laughs> please tell me more. I will. So, uh, Jason Statham. For the if in case you don't know who he is, he is a big. Uh, Can you, you- not? Listener, oh, how can you not? I, you never know. You never know. I, I he's not not as big as I think he was. But anyway, uh, he he's in um, Fast and the Furious. Everyone's he, seen that. He is, but but <laughs> but some people might not have seen that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I know. Um, but Jason Statham is like an East End uh, UK film star who's done lots of things. He's ridiculous. If you look him up on Wikipedia, he was like an Olympic diver. Ridiculous. Anyway. He's on holiday, and you, as your as the entourage, have to make sure that Jason has a good time. Now, <laughs> I didn't realize you were playing the entourage. Oh yes, because as Statham Master, you get to ruin everyone else's stuff. It basically, you do lots of rolling and stuff for each individual scene. I usually do it as like a a bank holiday, essentially. Yeah. So you, you've got stuff to do, and the, it always it's, it's a great little thing. Is every scene starts with Jason waking up. Yeah, it's like a montage of Jason waking up, kicking down the door and demanding something from his entourage. <laughs> and the mechanic I'll talk about, because I think that's the interesting thing. Is there's two parts to it. So one is there's four tracks that Jason has. It's like sad, uh, sad, dead, uh, in prison and uh, angry, I think was the other one. And obviously if you fill them up, something bad will happen. Like uh, like the sad one is that he cries and then rings his mum, who is played by Helen Mirren, uh, to come and get him out of his holiday. <laughs> Well, that's who his mum is in Fast and the Furious, of course. So, well, of course, makes of course. sense. Um, but no, no, no. But the mechanic is every time you 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 have certain things. So you'll be playing like the bodyguard, and you'll be have stuff like uh, these hands are weapons. These weapons are also weapons. And if you justify like a senior, I'm going to do this, but I'm using my hands as also weapons. They're like, okay, here is uh, seven on the on the dice. You need to get that or under to succeed. So it makes sense. To, to always use that. So you roll a d12. At the same time, you also roll a d6. And this is known as the Statham die. And if at any point the numbers match, and it says this in the rules, it's my favourite thing that I've ever seen. It goes, 
Jason does something unexpected. <laughs> so as a DM, you hear that and you go, oh no, it matches. And you go, well, <laughs> watch me ruin all of your plans. Like we've had, we've had uh, Jason skydiving off the things, having a crying fit, eating other people's food. Like it, and obviously it, it allows, it, it gives you permission to do the worst East London mm. accent ever, oh. which I, I as, a, as, as someone who doesn't do accents very well, yeah. I just, it's my favourite game to play because I get to just have a lot of fun whilst everyone else has to fix my problems. It's just, it's just, ah, oh, I love it. <laughs> that feels like it's almost a role reversal yes. of the GM player relationship. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It, it's on, I think if you want to, if you, if you have a game night and you're like, you know what, I want to have some fun and, and everyone gets in on it because obviously you're all playing Entourage and you want to make sure Jason is happy. That is the main goal of it. And people will fall over themselves to make sure he is happy and you could just be there going, now, sod this. I wanted to go to the Tate. Where, where's my scuba bus? You know, but or anything like that. And they have to. Yeah. They, but it's it's. I. It sounds like again, like he says, like it's like DM versus me. I have. We've like. I remember. I not for the podcast, but I played it with, with two of my friends. It was just two of. It was only three of us, and I, we ended up at the Prince Charles Cinema in London, and we were just arguing with the box office because they wouldn't let me in for to see like a uh, Mamma Mia the musical version or whatever and, and I just remember we were just there just, I had to stop because we are all on Zoom stop because we were crying laughing about how yep. fucking ludicrous this was like me demanding to go see Mamma Mia at the Prince Charles <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so I, I, I that dice mechanic which allows you to do something unexpected oh you the scene player's face go no and you're like yes I, yeah Absolutely, 100%. That is my favourite mechanic. That's incredible. I'm going to wrap this up in a moment, but are there any final kind of words of wisdom Mm -hmm. that you'd like to pass on to potential GMs, DMs, and or players? I'd say the, the big reason I started doing this podcast was because I wanted to have a go at GMing that wasn't something that was D&D because mm. I was so worried about running a game and people going, that's not right. No, and I, I think we always have those backseat DMs in D&D games because that is currently the most popular one. My advice is to pick a game nobody wants, nobody, sorry, pick a game. Nobody that, wants to nobody play this wa- game. Nobody wants to play and you go, we're playing it. No, <laughs> pick a game that you, you like the concept of and go, hey, one shot, let's do it have fun with it like again I've said like Grant Howitt ones are great for that idea um, but anything like that that you can do it in a session because the big thing about it is that even if you get the rules wrong nobody else knows it because they're not they, they don't they're not as versed in it as in D&D and actually they'll gain a lot out of it again if you get the quick start rules or anything like that it is just straightforward and I, I highly encourage it because I know we get to a point where there's people who are forever DMs and they all they want to do is play and try new systems. Just try it out with something completely different. It doesn't have to be D&D. It could be absolutely anything. And I just, you gain so much more out of it as a result. So, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us, Fiona. Thank you for listening to me ramble. Can you let people know where they can find you? <laughs> absolutely. Um, so you can find What Am I Rolling on its own website, which is a shocker. Thank you, Squarespace, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that's uh, wairpodcast.com uh, but you can also find it wherever you listen to podcasts wherever you're an Apple podcast or as I call it iTunes still because I'm one of those old people <laughs> um, all the days I know right uh, Spotify 
Google Podcasts is a thing as well. That is a thing. I know. It's weird. Um, So anyway, you listen to podcasts, you can find it there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at W-A-I-R underscore podcast. But if you're you're like, Fiona, you've talked about all these RPGs, but all I want to hear about is D&D and the lore behind it. And I'm like, I know it's a bit more successful. I know your needs. <laughs> I know your needs. I also run, uh, I'm a co-host, sorry, of the DM's Book Club, which is a weekly book club uh, podcast which talks about some Dungeons & Dragons and how we can include it in our role came, role-playing campaigns, which don't have to be D&D related, I'd say. And you can find that on Twitter as well, at at, D, uh, at the DM's Book Club, all, uh, all lower caps, all together. Uh, and you can find that, again, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And have a listen to them. Give me constructive feedback like my mum does. Totally cool with it. Um, but like, and who are you? No. <laughs> so, no, you're, yeah, not you <laughs> you're not my mum. You're not my mum. She says a kiss at the end of her, t- her feedback. So. <laughs> you don't ask for kisses from strangers. <laughs> no. Good point. Good point. But uh, yes, that's where you can find all, all those things. And I'm I'm on Twitter as well at fkth and on on uh, Instagram at unspeakably Fiona. They're private, but if I, you know if you're interested in me ranting about work, please feel free to add me on that or see a picture of a day of me going. I had a rubbish day, but RPGs are great, so you feel feel free to follow those. So. Uh, you can, of course, follow Realms of Peril and Glory at Realms Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you are on the feed right now, so there is absolutely uh, no need for you to go there. You can follow myself personally <laughs> at ZachFG on Twitter. Uh, that's Z-A-C-K-F-G. Uh, you can get Realms of Peril and Glory merch, as I am wearing I today. I was admiring. By happenstance. Uh, this arrived yesterday in the post, and I was I like, it. well, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> Uh, and you can check the link in the podcast description for that uh there's some really cool designs uh and i would highly recommend um i think that's all i've got oh yeah i should probably plug the patreon patreon.com slash light and tragic uh where you can get ad free listening bonus shows uh and i'm probably other stuff uh it's all gold all gold Uh, it's all gold Everything is gold. And I believe coming up around the time that this is going to come out is we did a dead channel game uh, with James Barbarossa, yeah. Maddie Searle, and Laura Gerling. So uh, mm. you can check that out too. An- another Grant Howitt one. That's Patreon. great. We just basically, Grant Howitt's back catalog. It's like, okay, and now we mine this for content. Yeah. yeah. It, it, again, again, it is easy, quick start. Like, And, and Grant is so lovely. I, I highly yeah. recommend uh, Goblin Quest if you have a chance because there's so many different versions of that one. Uh, the, the Sean Bean quest version where you all play yes. Sean Bean oh it's oh I die every time I play it's so much fun but yes absolutely Grand House stuff is great amazing thank you for tuning in guys and we'll see you later bye bye <laughs>
So if you've never watched Buffy, or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.